Over the past year, because of the pandemic, our family has not visited as many stores as we might under more normal circumstances. We found ourselves, like many families, doing more grocery pickups and ordering things to be delivered to our home, those sorts of things. And while that can come with its share of frustrations, there are also a few benefits. You see, many stores are designed intentionally to make you want more than you need. This is certainly true of adults, but it applies equally to children. Why do you think grocery stores have balloons and candy at the checkout? And why do they put random toys in the grocery section? So we found whenever we have to take our kids into a store that we need to set expectations up front. Before we ever step foot inside, we have to prepare them for what we will and will not be purchasing today. If we wait until they come face to face with the temptation, we've already put ourselves at a disadvantage. A similar thing is true when it comes to spiritual warfare. Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And in verse 13, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. The idea you get from Paul is that we should not wait until the battle is raging to begin testing the armor God has prepared for us. We need to put it on in advance. We need to put it on daily so that we will be ready to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. And today we're going to consider the second piece of armor that Paul describes. He says in Ephesians 6 verse 14, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now last week when we were considering the belt of truth, I pointed out that the word truth is used in two distinct ways in the New Testament. There is an objective sense, what Paul calls the truth. He said back in chapter 1, verse 13, In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So to put on the belt of truth means to know and to remember the message of the gospel which we have believed and professed. Jesus called Satan a liar and the father of lies. He would very much like to deceive us into error or tempt us to doubt the truth of God's word. Putting on the belt of truth means in part that we remind ourselves of that truth as a way of resisting and rejecting the lies with which Satan would try to deceive us. But there's also a subjective sense to putting on the belt of truth. Not only is it a message, a body of teaching which we must believe and remember, it is also a way of living. We are called to walk in truth, to live with honesty and sincerity before God and one another. Putting on the belt of truth means that we put away falsehood and speak the truth to one another in love. And there's a similar way we can think about the breastplate of righteousness. Just as the New Testament speaks of truth in an objective and a subjective sense, it does the same with righteousness. And so I want to try to summarize this in two brief sentences. First, righteousness is a gift that God gives. Before righteousness is something we do, it is something God does for us. It is a gift that God gives. Paul walks us through this very helpfully in his letter to the Romans. He says in Romans 3 verse 10, None is righteous, no, not one. 
The point he's making is that righteousness is not something mankind is capable of attaining on their own. It is something that must come from God as a gift. He goes on, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So righteousness comes not from within us, but from God. It is His righteousness which He credits to sinners through faith in Jesus Christ. This gift, Paul says, is for all who believe. Righteousness is not earned by works, but given by God's grace and received through faith in Jesus. In Romans 5, Paul explicitly refers to righteousness as a free gift. And in Philippians 3, he speaks in the first person as he shares his own testimony. He tells of the many reasons he might have had confidence in himself. He was, in his own words, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Yet he goes on to say, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Notice this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So righteousness in this sense has to do with our standing before God. It has to do with what God grants to us by grace through faith. This does not mean that the moment a person begins to trust in Jesus, they become perfectly holy in their character. But it does mean that God considers that person to be perfectly righteous. Here's another way of putting it. If you are in Christ by grace through faith, God considers you to be as righteous as Jesus. You are not actually perfect in your character. You still sin. You still make mistakes. You still fail to do the right things. But in God's judgment, He counts the perfect righteousness of Jesus to you as if it were your very own. The Reformers had a Latin phrase for this, simul justus et peccatore, at the same time, righteous and a sinner. We still sin. We still wrestle with our sin nature. We still sometimes face the temporal consequences of our sin. But God, by His grace, accounts the righteousness of Jesus to us through faith. We are at the same time a sinner, but also righteous. That's the first thing I want you to know about righteousness. It is a gift that God gives to us. The second thing is that righteousness is a virtue that God enables. It is a gift that God gives, and it is a virtue that God enables. It's important, very important, for us to be assured of how God considers us to be as righteous as Jesus. It is equally important that we understand that God intends to sanctify those whom He has justified, those whom He has counted righteous. In other words, if you have been counted righteous by grace through faith, God's desire for you is that you would then begin to pursue holiness in His strength. 
Last week I pointed out that the belt of truth had its background in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. The same is true for the breastplate of righteousness. In Isaiah 59, God laments the sad moral state of His people. He says, Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. The Lord saw it, and it displeased Him that there was no justice. So what does God do? He takes matters into His own hands. This is from Isaiah 59, verse 17. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. In other words, God saw that there was no justice, no truthfulness, no uprightness, and his response was to put on a breastplate of righteousness and to bring justice and truth himself. Within the book of Ephesians, Paul speaks of righteousness in this same way, in the sense of justice and uprightness. It is not only a gift by which God justifies his people, it is also a virtue that he enables in his people. Back in Ephesians 4, Paul said that believers have been taught in Christ to put off the old self of unrighteousness and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It's not just a gift that God credits to our account. It is a virtue, a way of living that we must put on. He goes on to say in Ephesians 5 verses 8 and 9, At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Righteousness is something in which we must walk, bearing the fruit of light. God says, you are no longer darkness. He has declared you to be children of light. Now, he says, we must walk as children of light, bearing the fruit of goodness and righteousness and truth. And even in Ephesians 6, Paul urges us to stand having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That phrase, put on, is one Paul consistently uses to refer to pursuing godly virtues. To put on the breastplate of righteousness, then, means that we not only assure ourselves of our standing by God's grace through faith, but also that we strive in God's strength to become what He has already declared us to be. It might be helpful to define two distinct aspects of this moral righteousness which we are to pursue. First, we're called to strive for holiness, which is righteousness toward God. We strive to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We aim to obey Him and please Him in all that we say and think and do. Again, we will never achieve perfect uprightness in this sense, on this side of glory, but we are called to pursue progress in it. So we strive for holiness, which is righteousness toward God. And secondly, we strive for justice, which is righteousness toward others. Christians of all people should have a deep concern for justice. If we have received the gift of righteousness 
then we should pursue the virtue of justice toward one another. It should be our desire to do right by others. That is, in part, what it means to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I began by saying that we have to prepare in advance for the battle rather than waiting until we're in the midst of it. Paul tells us in Ephesians six eleven to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So I want to show you how the breastplate of righteousness helps us to do that, to stand against the schemes of the devil. Satan has many weapons in his arsenal, but many of them can be summarized under these two categories. The first is temptation. Satan wants to lead God's people astray. He often does that through deception. And the second category, the second kind of weapon he has in his arsenal, in addition to temptation, is accusation. Satan wants to slander God's people and make them feel guilty before the Lord. I've said that righteousness is a gift that God gives, and it's a virtue that He enables. And so I want you to see that the breastplate of righteousness is tailor-made by God to defend against these two kinds of weapons that Satan would wield against us. When Satan tries to accuse someone who is a child of God, we can remind ourselves, and remind him for that matter, that righteousness is a gift that God gives by grace through faith. As Paul says in Romans 8, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. If God has declared me righteous on the basis of the finished work of Jesus, then no accusation from Satan can have any hope of standing in the courtroom of God. If I have the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of the righteousness of Jesus, then I have what I need to withstand the accusations of the enemy. On the other hand, I want you to see that when we do sin, we open ourselves up to that weapon. Not only have we opened ourselves up to the temptation that Satan uses, and we've given in to that, but we also open ourselves up to the accusations of Satan. In other words, when we sin, we're essentially giving him evidence that he is then able to throw in our face and say, See? See? You're guilty. That is why it is equally important that we pursue the virtue of righteousness which God enables by His grace. We have to remind ourselves every day of the free gift of God's righteousness. We remind ourselves that no matter how deep our sin is, His mercy is deeper still. His declaration stands. If God has declared us innocent, who can bring any charge against us? But... If we're going to stand in this battle, we also have to pursue sincere holiness and justice. Otherwise, we open ourselves up to the temptations and accusations of our enemy. Thankfully, this is a war that will not ultimately be won by the cunning tactics of Satan, nor does it depend on our determination and will, let alone our perfection. We must keep in mind and take to heart every day the truth that the psalmist expressed in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, hendersonbaptist.org.